a living hope. Some of the words that we just sang talked about that the grave has no hold on him. Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave. But I was thinking an awful lot of us are struggling with some graves, aren't we? Struggling with some things that are keeping us held back, chained down, and not doing what God wants us to do. That song is true for us also. That the grave that Satan tries to put on you doesn't have any hold on you unless you let it. That the chains that Satan tries to bind you with have no power over you unless you let them. That the doubts that can be overwhelming at times have no power unless you let them. We've got to do more than sing that he's the living hope. We have to live as if he's the living hope. Each day, not just when we gather. So that others see him in us. Even on those days when we're struggling and it's okay to admit that. In fact, we need to. That may be the greater testimony when people can see Jesus in us even when we're struggling instead of just when everything's going our way. A living hope. If he's not hope in the tough times, he's not hope at all. And he is hope. If he's not hope for those who are lost, he's not hope. And he is hope. For the marriage that's struggling, for the parent-child relationship that's broken, for the finances that are gone, for the health that's questionable, for the future that's unknowable, he is our hope. And we're going to talk about on that Back to Church Sunday that hope happens here, but we have to realize what that means is it's not that it happens here in this building, though hopefully it does, but that hope happens here in us. Hope shines when it appears hopeless. If everything's going well, nobody notices hope. It's in the struggle. It's in the dark times. That the light is noticed. Something's missing. And it's time to let him in. Something's missing and it's time to embrace what he has for us. Acts chapter 1. The Holy Spirit poured out in a phenomenal way. Acts chapter 2. It continued in a way that changed a whole community and then they all went home and it changed a whole bunch of other places. They didn't even know what was missing and yet it was provided. What do we need to do with that? If you have your Bibles or you're looking at Bible on your devices in the New Testament, the book of Acts chapter 2, we're going to be taking a look at 10 or 11 verses here. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 37. The focus this morning is on community. True community. Not city limits, not county boundaries, but community. 
Not a church building and a roster, but community. That's what we're going to be taking a look at. In fact, I think this morning that I need to start this by confessing and repenting for our lack of community too often. We need to repent of not doing community and being a community. Community meaning reaching across the aisle or walking across the sidewalk or across the street and connecting with whoever is there. Not just those we already know. Not just those we already like. But to step across the aisle, to step across the sidewalk, to step next door and connect with whoever is there and begin to create community where we are, where God has intended for us to be. It's important for us to gather as a corporate group like this in worship. It's important for us to gather in smaller groups. In fact, both of them are vital for authentic Christian relationships. You may have seen, this was posted this week on our Facebook page, this quote from Renault and Dodd. said, admittedly, doing life together is messy, hard, and painful. Let me repeat that. Admittedly, doing life together, that means with others, is messy, hard, and painful. Can I get an amen? That was poor, amen, but I'll take it. Doing life together is messy, hard, and painful. Living in community involves risk. But do you know what's harder than living, out of commun- than living in community? It's living out of community. What's harder is not being connected. No matter what Satan's whispering in your ear. No matter how hurt you might have been. Last time you connected. It's harder without. Acts chapter 2 at the end of Peter's surprising message on the day of Pentecost as we now call it. As people had gathered from all around the country and many different ethnicities and many different belief systems even. Many different languages. And they gathered together and through the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter and the other disciples were able to communicate Jesus to people they didn't know. And to some people they did know. And at the end of this message, Peter is reminding them that the one they crucified just a little while before that was actually Christ the Son of God. And verse 37 picks up from there. It says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise 
is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. With many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they, excuse me, They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What shall we do? That's still the right question. What's missing We need to ask, we need to listen, and we need to act on whatever that is. In other words, we need to get our priorities straight. And the priority, as Peter preached it, and it's given to us in the Word and repeated over and over in the Word, the priority is with Christ. It starts with Jesus. We speak Jesus around here, and we need to speak Him more. That needs to be the focus. That was... My emphasis to our board this week and my devotional with them is that everything we do has to keep pointing people to Jesus. We can do fun things and we should. Some that you go, well, that wasn't spiritual at all. It was if we're there. And even those things can point people to Jesus, but it's all for that reason. The priority is with Christ. And that means we have to start with repenting and accepting him as our savior. And let me just insert in here, the word repent is a powerful word. The word repent is not I'm sorry. The word repent is to turn away from one toward another. In this case, from ourselves and the world's idea to Christ. To turn away from and then continue on that new path. It is not repentance if I say I'm sorry but don't change. That bears repeating. It's not repentance if I just say I'm sorry but nothing changes. It's repentance if there is sorrow, confession, And then a change of mind, a change of spirit, a change of attitude, a change of actions. You go, I don't know what to do. Oh, he'll let you know. And in fact, if you're not doing the right stuff, he'll let you know that. Oh, not in slapping your hand, but in gently, lovingly, and overwhelmingly guiding you. The priority has to start with Jesus. 
The priority has to continue then by bringing others to Christ. We looked at this a few weeks ago of the four friends who tried to bring their invalid friend to Jesus so that he could touch and heal him, not even recognizing the need for his spiritual change that Jesus did first. And they were so interested and so committed to seeing their friend change that they tore the roof off the house and lowered him down in front of Jesus. You see, part of our call, part of our priority has to be not just holding on to it for ourselves, but bringing others to Jesus and bringing Jesus to others. That has to be followed up with discipling and mentoring. That's what verses 42 through 47 are all about. They gathered together. Don't get hung up on the commonality thing. Too many people get hung up on that and either throw this all out or think that's all there is there. And both of those are wrong. The focus is on the fact that they were connected and committed to one another. What's the need? Let me help. Sometimes that need was to sit and listen. Sometimes that need was prayer. Sometimes that need was food. Sometimes that need was stuff. But all of it was Jesus. And that's what they continued to do. That's how they continued to reach them. Our priority starts with us, individually with Christ, then bringing others to Christ, then discipling and mentoring them. It does not have to be formal to be done. I was thinking through this a lot the last few years, thinking of my grandparents on both sides, farmers, rarely taught, were rarely up front in anything. And how many people upon their passing I heard from who said how much of an impact they had on their life. And a couple of them I got to say, how? They said, well, they just showed up at times. They just invited me to do stuff with them. And while they did, I saw Jesus and I got to say, how do you do that? Sometimes it was out in the field or on the tractor. Sometimes it was over a cup of coffee. Sometimes it was over a meal together. Sometimes it was sitting on the back porch together. Sometimes it was eating homemade ice cream. But that mentoring and discipling was connecting and committing to each other. In other words, the priority is community through Christ. We got to create it and we need to impact the community we're in. The question that we need to ask is, if for some reason God pulled our church out of here, would the community notice? I don't just mean that the building was empty. I mean that we were no longer serving. Would they notice? See, we should be impacting our community. When you take a look at what the scripture says, it said that they had favor with all the people. Not everybody liked them. Keep reading in Acts and you'll see some of them got stoned, some of them got crucified, some of them got beaten, some of them got thrown in jail. That doesn't sound like favor to me. But the scripture is clear. They found favor. They had an impact on them. And then we look at what this describes. It describes to us what community looks like. What does community look like? Especially verses 42 through 47. It tells us, first of all, community looks like doing life together. 
just living some normal stuff, doing stuff, spending some time together, just doing regular stuff, sometimes doing special things, but doing life together. The connect groups that Jody mentioned that we're starting up against, these are just smaller groups. There's a couple that meet on Sunday mornings here at the church. There are some that meet other times during the week, some here, some in other places, and we're going to try to create some specific ones. Last fall, we had three that met in people's homes at different times. We, we're going to create however many we need. We just need to know if you're interested. There's sign-up sheets out there. You can let us know. You go, I don't know what it is. Well, put your name down and we'll explain it to you. Putting your name down doesn't mean you've committed to have people coming to your house, just so you understand. It just says, I, I'm interested, and we're calling them connect groups. That's very intentional, so that we're connecting to each other while we continue to connect with Christ. They're open to people that don't show up here on Sundays. They're open to whomever, because that's who we're called to reach is whomever. Community looks like doing life together. It also looks like serving others. That's the part that we can see so clearly in this passage. Some of the time they were getting food for each other. Some of the times they were helping them with tangible needs. Other times they were worshiping together. Other times they were praying together. Whatever it was, it was serving others. We love to hear the phrase, they will know we are Christians by our love. Well, they don't just get that because you send them a Hallmark card. They get that because you've served. And service can be big and it can be little, but service all matters. We talked about this in the Brotherhood Wednesday night study of men with men on Wednesday night. Mother Teresa's great saying in the worst of conditions in Calcutta, India was, Small things done with great love will impact the world. Little things done with great love will change lives. It's not just the big stuff. The big stuff gets headlines, but the headlines don't change any lives. The little things done with great love change lives. The listening ear, the phone call, the text, the card, the note, the little things are what get noticed and remembered. Community looks like generosity. That's clear in this passage as well. Some of them sold possessions and gave the money so that others who were in need would have what was needed. Was it a commonality as in everybody shared everything? Yes and no. There were still individual things that people had, but as it had need and they had provision, they gave. That's called being generous. It is not equal gifts, it's equal sacrifice. Jesus said on one occasion, the lady who gave two what are sometimes called mites or minas, they were the smallest coin available. Smaller than our pennies. I don't mean in size, I mean in value. And she gave two of them and he said she gave the largest gift that morning because others gave out of their abundance or excess. She gave out of her need. generosity of time there's a need i'll serve i'll give not just financially but of my time of my energy of my prayers my abilities 
Community looks like fellowship. Now, in the Church of the Nazarene, we've kind of redefined the word fellowship. Fellowship equals food. I don't mind that designation, and it's kind of obvious. That, that can be true. Great fellowship can happen over food, but it is not the same thing. Because you can eat together and have no fellowship. And you can fellowship and have no food. Not near as fun, but it's possible. Fellowship is a connecting with one another. It is that not just living life together, but sharing it. Because true fellowship is not surface conversation, but real conversation. Fellowship gets beyond just the surface of life and the issues. And that looks like community. And lastly, community looks like praying together. You want to get close to somebody, pray with them. Let them hear you pray and you hear them pray. Now, some of you just backed out right now because you're going, I'm not praying out loud in front of anybody. Okay. You're missing something, but okay. What if you pray silently while you hear them pray? I've shared with you before about a lady at my very first church. Uh, Her first name was Guadalupe. She spoke almost no English. She understood it well, but she could really only speak Spanish, and she attended our church. She's one of the reasons our church exploded in growth because on our Wednesday night prayer times, they just took off. We did it to start our Bible study and then the prayer took over and if we had time, we studied the Bible, but we prayed. And then we had to break it up into groups because we were praying too long. Meaning, past the time the children's workers wanted to watch our kids. And we prayed in those groups is when something changed. And most of it is attributed to Guadalupe. Because every time the groups, and we had them, had to teach and train people to pray at the same time. It's okay. It's not impolite. God can handle it. So the groups are praying, different ones in each group, five, six, seven different groups praying. But every time Guadalupe started to pray, we all stopped. And she prayed only in Spanish. And most of us only knew how to play Uno. We didn't know how to speak Spanish. It didn't matter. Because her prayer was half of the prayer was gracias Padre. Gracias Padre. Thank you, Father. Over and over. And it changed us. Praying together is what community looks like. Praying for the same needs. Not just at the same time or in the same place but praying together and for one another. Look at this passage. Verse 42, they devoted themselves, committed to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking of bread, and the prayers. That meant the scheduled times of prayers and just praying. They were committed, devoted to it. There's something powerful about hearing other people pray. Whether you're in a group of two or 22, 
or 102. There's something about that. And see, the results were obvious in this passage. The results, verse 41 through 47, 41 says 3,000 got saved and baptized, meaning a whole lot more than that got connected because the 3,000 was probably just the men that they were counting because of cultural issues at that point. Plus, it says 3,000 who got saved and baptized, and probably not all of those. If you know anything about Jerusalem, there's not a lot of water there. So how they did that is a remarkable thing. That's as much the power of the Holy Spirit as the fact that the power of the Holy Spirit fell on them. Those were some worn out ministers when that day was done. Trust me. Verse 47 then says, And the Lord added to their number day by day. Now, it's not just about what we often focus on. First of all, we have to realize the results. If we really do community, the results will be growth. But make sure you understand where growth is. It would mean growth in relationships. That some marriages would be healed. Some parent-child relationships would get healed. Some sibling relationships would get healed. Is there a need for that? Oh, yeah. A whole bunch of it. Some friendships would get strengthened and some would be restored and healed. There'd be growth in relationships. There'd be growth in our relationship with Christ. You see, if your relationship with Christ today is the same as it was a year ago today, something's wrong. We should be continually growing in our relationship with Christ as well as with each other. That growth would also happen in our numbers in how many people are being reached and impacted. Oh, we shouldn't focus on numbers, no, but we should focus on what those numbers represent, which is souls, which is why we count. We don't count for some report. We count because souls matter, and Jesus died for every one of them. So we count. How many do we have yet to reach? And there's a bunch. Growth is part of the result Another result of living in real community is having a favorable impact. A favorable impact in our families and our community. If we're serving Christ, but our family is deteriorating, we got to change something. Now, people make their own choice. We can't force those choices. We do our part, we pray, we, we invite, we live it out in front of them, but they have to make their own choice. But we should be making an impact first in our family where people see us most often and then into our community, not just this community that where we gather together, but the community at large. We should be having an impact on them. And then lastly, the result of living in community is that there is joy in life. This might be the one we need to confess the greatest, is just living in lack of joy. You see, if we're following Christ and we don't have joy, we're doing it wrong. I didn't say that everything's going well. There's a difference. The apostles were rejoicing. Peter and John rejoiced when they got thrown in jail. Paul and Silas were singing at midnight and they were chained up in jail. It had nothing to do with circumstances. It has everything to do with relationship. But there should be joy and it should be noticed. It should be visible. 
It should be tangible. The kind of joy that is noticed by others. The kind of joy that creates awe. I was studying this word a lot this week in verse 43. For it says, And awe came over every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. That word awe is a combination of wonderment and fear. Fear, yeah. Because people didn't know what they were seeing. Just like on the day of Pentecost, when they started speaking in languages they didn't know because the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak languages that others could understand. Not just a gibberish, but it was understandable because it communicated the gospel to people. They were in awe. How is this possible? It's not except through the power of the Holy Spirit because we've set our priority on Jesus Christ and following him, living in joy, living in community and reaching out and inviting others into that community, creating that community with them will create awe. Let me ask you, How's your community doing? Not our community, yours. And I'll be honest, our community, we need some work. It ain't happening like it should. Which means we got to get back into community so that we can get into the community. But it starts with each one of us choosing to live in community with Christ, then each other, and then beyond. It's simply the call that Christ told them in Acts chapter 1. He said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, right where they were. And then in Judea, beyond. And Samaria, which was the places they didn't want to go. And the people they didn't want to touch. And then he said, you'll hit everywhere after that. So let me ask you, how's your community doing? Are you ready to reach across the aisle? To whoever's there? Or across the sidewalk? Or across the street? Or reconnect with someone where the relationship has broken? We've been called to live in community because God cares about your relationships. Let's stand. In closing this morning, if you've recognized that maybe your community isn't doing as it should and you're ready to change that, repent of it and seek something different. In your relationship with Christ, your relationship with some nearby or your relationship with some that you need to make contact with. I'm going to invite you to confess that and come forward and recommit to living in the community God's called you to. Or maybe you're already trying to do that, but you said, I'm ready to get with some others to live in community. And today I stake my claim and say, this is the moment when I make that choice. So before I pray a prayer of closing and dismissal, I guess, I'm just going to invite you, if this is the moment, you're either coming to repent a lack of community or committing to saying, I'm ready to reach across and live in community. I invite you to come forward right now. You may want to kneel. You may want to sit. You may just want to stand. 
but just to come and say, this is the moment I'm repenting or I'm committing or I'm repenting and then committing and saying, I'm ready to live in community, whatever that looks like, because we don't know for sure. We just know he's calling us to live that way. Maybe that's the something that's missing. God may even be giving you some faces and names that you know you need to connect to. They might be here this morning. If so, before you get out of here today, find them. If you have to run, you have permission to run in church and get to them. Maybe they're somewhere else and you need to, when you leave here, get a hold of them. But we start with Christ in our relationship with him and then go from there. Let's pray. Jesus, this is yours. I've known all week what you wanted, the message, but I haven't been able to get any of the words together. So, Father, I pray that my rambling has had your spirit in it and that you have spoken where my words have failed, that your Holy Spirit has connected to hearts and minds. And, Lord, I confess and repent of my lack of community so often especially lately. Lord, I pray that you would then guide me in how to do this. That you would guide us to be a community with ourselves, but more importantly, with those outside. But it starts with you. Lord, if we need to repent to connect to you, may we do that right now. Receiving your forgiveness receiving your guidance, cleansing. Lord, if there's a relationship we know we need to work on, give us the courage right now to commit to it and then greater courage when we leave here to do something about it. Maybe we don't even know yet what you want us to do, but we're declaring today, sticking our flag in the ground and saying, I will live in community. And Lord, may you then give us clarity of thought so that we can have clarity of action. And I pray that your results of growth and joy, of healing, of relationship would come pouring out of these commitments today. And Lord, I pray these things in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. And in that name, I say, amen. So be it. May we get up to live it out from here. In Jesus' name, amen.